the big silence, empowering personal experiences, inspiring compassion, and healing lives. We are no longer silent. We are here. The Big Silence. Hello and welcome to the Big Silence podcast. I am your host, Karina Dawn. I'm a mental health advocate, wellness entrepreneur, and co-founder of the leading women's fitness community, Tone It Up. I'm also a New York Times bestselling author and founder of the nonprofit, The Big Silence Foundation. I'm also a wife, daughter, friend, and yes, palm mom of five. And just like you, I'm a work in progress. I have experienced profound grief and trauma and then found deep joy in life. And now I'm here to share my story, be a safe space for you to share yours. And we're having in-depth conversations with psychologists, doctors, spiritual leaders, friends, and others who have been impacted directly or indirectly by a mental health condition. No more embarrassment, no more shame, no holding back, only healing. Let's go! Mental health is my wealth, the stress upon the shelf. Nobody can love me the way I love myself. Seek and ye shall find the truth and the light. I'm living my purpose, so I sleep good at night. No more depression or spiritual recession. And every day that I wake up, it's a blessing. So breathe in, breathe out. Everybody in the house know what I'm talking about. The big silence. The big silence. Hello, hello. Karina here. How are you? All right. It is Tuesday morning after Labor Day weekend. Shout out to those who went and got their workout in this morning. After a long weekend, it's always like hard to, you know, get yourself together and go move. I went and worked out at Collective um, with my friend Sandy at 7.30 a.m. It felt amazing. Didn't want to do it, but I did it. And yeah, Labor Day was fun. Bobby and I were went boating on the lake, went swimming, It's still 105 in Austin this week, but um, we are pushing through. So a few things. So this month um, is supposedly the end of summer, but I don't think Labor Day is the end of summer. I know all my friends in LA are like, it's 80 degrees and they're going to the beach this week and weekend. So let's keep summer going. I have Sandy and Lindsay coming over this week for a little girls' evening of pool time and massages and blowouts. I want to keep the summer vibe going. And on a separate vibe, this month is Suicide Prevention Month. Something very important as we know that suicide rates are at an all-time high. So we are raising awareness to let everyone know that it is okay if you're not okay, and to reach out to a friend. So this should be a daily, monthly thing, but for this month, we are taking a stand. Um, We are doing a fundraiser at the Big Silence Foundation for our Therapy for All program. $100 gets someone therapy. And also, if you're a therapist out there and are interested in being a part of our network for Therapy for All programming, uh, reach out to us on our website. And I will put all of the links in the show notes as well for the fundraiser and how you also can be a part of the fundraiser and start your own team and your own goals and raise awareness. So join us for this entire month of September. And of course, always like, 
leave a comment, a review on the podcast. Um, and once a month, we do choose someone who leaves a review. And we send you Tone It Up and Big Silence swag. Okay, moving into this week's guest. I like to call my new my new girls, Kimberly Vanderbeek and Peggy Rometto. So I don't know if you listened to it. I'll put a link in the show notes as well. I was on the Bathroom Chronicles podcast uh, maybe two months ago. Drove out to Kimberly's house and they have this amazing property outside of Austin. And they turned a bathroom into their podcast studio because, you know, like when you're out with the girls, all the conversations happen in the bathroom. So it was really fun getting to know them on that and then staying in touch since then. And then they came over to the Big Silence podcast studio and we had a really beautiful conversation. And yeah, so Kimberly Vanderbeek, she is amazing. I just want to say that she's married to James Vanderbeek. What is it? Um, Dawson's Creek. Da- Dawson's Creek. If you know, you know. And it's so funny because when I was at their house, they have, you know, a big bus that James drives and Bobby also drives a big 45-foot bus. Um, and Bobby also, and like James, has just projects everywhere. One day they will meet the project boys. They got to keep working on the land. Kimberly was an advisor in a nonprofit. She's a producer and activist, um, and she has six kids that they are out on their 36 acre ranch in Texas, living the true Texas life. She now co-hosts the Bathroom Chronicles with Peggy, and she also has a new clean beauty line coming out, which I'm very excited to try because Kimberly is just this natural beauty. And we talk about makeup and um, all of that during the podcast too. And how it's just, it's fun. I, I love makeup. It just, it's it's kind of an artistic outlet, you know? Um, and then Peggy, she's a spiritual teacher, intuitive expert. She is one of the most innovative energy experts. She's worked with Deepak Chopra, Donna Karen, Demi Moore, and a few other notable names that you would know. But she teaches courses, works one-on-one with clients, and is best friends and lives down the street from Kimberly. So enjoy the podcast, and I'll see you on the other side. Yes, Kimberly and Peggy here on the Big Sounds Podcast. Love you, ladies. I'm so excited to see you again because I know we... I was on the Bathroom Chronicles episode, and it was so lovely to come to your house and get to know you, and you're so warming and welcome and good energy. Thank you. So now I just want to share more about you and just basically have a Bathroom Chronicles conversation here in the big (laughs) (laughs) side. Yeah. Something we won't be silent about. Yes. <laughs> well, it was awesome getting to know you. I fell in love with you in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. It was amazing. I just, I love your vulnerability and your sincerity and the way you're dancing to this opening song. It's just you in a nutshell from what I know thus far. Yeah. And now coming to your beautiful home and the art and creativity and love that fills it. It's amazing. Thank you. So let's talk a little bit, Peggy. 
a little bit about you because I want to dive into Peggy and you're an intuitive and all yes. of this. I, I, yeah. So um, it's interesting with the with the mental health thing because when I first started, it was it was because of uh, an experience that I had. My brother was killed, and that brother that was killed in a car accident was um, diagnosed as um, not sure which they they weren't sure. Sometimes they went with bipolar. Sometimes they went with schizophrenia. So I'm not sure which. You know, I think it was more bipolarish. But he had for a decade or more, you know, really suffered. And especially with hearing voices and seeing things and things like that. And there was no landing for him other than you must be ill. And, um, and, and then when he was killed, I started hearing things and seeing things. And my husband was reading all these books on spirituality. And he's like, you're not that. You're not your brother. You've got something different going on. And which gave me permission to kind of explore it. And my mom, when I went to her later and I said, you know, am, am I like Larry? And she's like, oh my God, no, no, you're not like Larry at all. And so they're, they're really, and in my family, there's a threat of mental illness. So it, it stopped me for a minute to go really question and really check in with myself. Is this a higher power moment or is this my, you know, my brain going in a different direction and do I, what kind of help do I need? And so I sought spiritual support from my cousin who was, um, you know, she was a, a psychologist, but she was also a backdoor psychic. She never told anybody and she was always diving into, you know, things. And, and so I went to her and she really helped me ground and really, and that's the biggest thing is when you're getting these messages, you're ungrounded. Yeah. And if you see anybody who's got mentally ill, it's, you know, they're ungrounded. They're not, they're not grounded. They have all these different parts of themselves or, or brain situations or whatever it is. But yeah, so that really, it really propelled me forward into exploring more my own ability. And now that's kind of what I do for others now is I really help them tap into their intuition and really guide them in that process of getting to know themselves. And, and there are some people, I've only come across, I would say two, that in my 25 years of teaching that I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't recommend that they do this work because it's just too disembodying for them. Isn't that so interesting? I was talking to my friend yesterday and with all this stuff going on in the world with California's having earthquakes and hurricanes and this and that and like maybe my mom was not like maybe she knew but mm. I don't you know what I mean yeah. I, but I mean she definitely had visions and she yeah there was there was a intuitive side but then also you know she was sch diagnosed schizophrenic and depressive yeah. and everything but I'm like you know, and back then in the 90s, we were like, okay, she's definitely crazy. Yeah, that's exactly. That was when my brother was diagnosed in the 90s. And, and we're like, no, this is not normal behavior. The, the things where he would yeah. just go off the path. Yeah. Um, but to your point, there are, there are those people that I've helped who thought they were, you know, um, not mentally sane. And they actually were. And they just didn't have a framework or a groundedness inside of them to channel all that opening that was happening. So what is that process like? Well, they come to you and they're yeah. like, hey, I, I need help. Usually they, they'll usually a book a session or something with me. And then in that process, they'll let me know. I hear things. I'm not sure what I'm hearing. Is it, is it me? Is it not me? Is it normal? Is it not normal? Or it may just become uncovered in our conversation. But usually there's a sense of within themselves, 
a deeper part of themselves that knows they're not crazy. You know, so usually there's a deeper knowing underneath the questioning, right? Most people who are mentally ill don't have that groundedness underneath that says, I'm okay. And I think that's the real difference. If there's a part of you that goes, no, I'm okay. And I have this weird thing. and I don't quite understand it. That's really just, that's, you know, your psychic abilities. And you just, it's like, you know, driving a car that you're not equipped to drive, you know? Mm -hmm. So you're, Mm -hmm. you're left to like crash into sorts of things. Yeah. I love that analogy. Literally last night, I was, I had a really rough Monday and didn't sleep last night, but then the, the car analogy came up last night. Me and Bobby and our friend Eric, who's in town from Palm Springs, we're all just sitting around the kitchen counter. I'm like, and Eric's like, you got to take care of your engine. Like this is a, so the car analogy. We just yeah. were talking about it last night. But so how did you two meet? We we were both on a trip to Israel when we studied Kabbalah, and we met the same exact trip I met my husband, James. Oh. Yeah. <clears throat> so I've known her exactly as long as I've known my husband. Yeah, it was pretty, it was, <clears throat> it was so great <laughs> watching. It was really funny because Kim is really strong, really smart, powerful, grounded, knows what she wants. And James was like, you know, this little puppy dog in love with her, trying not to, like, trying to be cool. <laughs> You're trying to be cool and not show, but you could, you could feel the attraction. She was a little annoyed by the attraction, and he was, like, in awe of the attraction. So it was fun witnessing their process of, you know, getting to know each other. And, and, and I'll never forget, like, in the Sea of Galilee. And you, do you remember? And he was holding you, and you had your arms around his neck, and you were, like, letting him. Like yeah. just letting him guide you and you were being a little playful. And it, and it was so funny because you could see the like, I think I'm liking this guy. I don't know if I want to like this guy. <laughs> I know. Like, it was really inconvenient was, timing. Why? That's what it was. Well, because I was working and so focused on work and I was finally just not wanting a guy in my life. Just let me work, you know? Mm. And um, we also had that moment in the Mediterranean Yeah, the Mediterranean Sea and then also the Sea of Galilee, like Mm. where he like held me because James is so romantic and loving and like he tried kissing me and I'm like, no, you know, but it took him about a whole week to break me down. We were, I was full fledged in love at that point with him and with her. Like, (laughs) I think we had had, we had a very quick escalating friendship. Yeah. um, Because Peggy... At that point, I was unaware of how intuitive I am. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the great thing about Peggy is sometimes she gets you asking the questions back to yourself. But, you know, I was asking Peggy everything. And I remember there was a moment where James left to go back to LA. We're still there. I had only known him seven days. And she was like, listen, if you guys don't get married and have babies soon, and I mean soon, then I have nothing. And then she was like, you're going to have one baby. Then it's almost like Irish twins. You're going to have another one right away. Or or six. Yeah, or or six, (laughs) or six. But she was right. You know, they're 17 and a half months apart. And so Peggy was such like a beautiful observer and gentle integrator of our love. <laughs> it was just, I mean, it was just so magical to witness yeah. and to be part of. And I'd known James for a couple of years before that. So watching him find happiness again and then with you was Aww. just like, oh my God. And yeah. yeah, it was just, it was so much fun. 
yeah. in so many different ways. And we've just always like been there for like the really big moments in each other's life. Yeah. So it's just crazy. Yeah. You really, ha- you are like some of the only people we, we still know at our wedding. Yeah. Maybe actually oh the only people. Yeah. No, there was a whole thing with flights getting canceled and all sorts of stuff. And then they moved your wedding up a little bit and they're like, we'll do it now. And well, our, our wedding wasn't really planned. Yeah, we knew we were going to go to Israel based off some dreams that I had and get married. It was like probably this, but my family wasn't even there. I was just like, I'm going to Israel and I'm getting married and I don't really know how this is happening, but they were there. Yeah. And so, you know, they, yeah, they've always been there. So how long have you been married? I've been married for... You just had, yeah, because 13 years. Okay. 13 years. And my daughter turns 13 next month. Wink, wink. Mm, So you do the math. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was Um, visibly pregnant. Did you, (laughs) (laughs) so did you know who James was when you met him? I never watched Dawson's Creek. Um, So he was a very familiar face. I knew his name was James Vanderbeek. I knew I knew that name. And then I put it together that he did do Varsity Blues. I watched oh, yeah. that in the movie theater with a um, with an ex-boyfriend. If only I had known that I was watching my husband on the screen. And James was like, <laughs> James has done so many things, but I'm not a big TV watcher. So yeah, of course I knew James Vanderbeek's name. It's a household name. And I know his face. It's a household face. But like, watching his stuff. Yeah, it's just, I'm not a big TV watcher. Yeah. So. Well, I just love that. I mean, I've never met him, but we've talked and him and Bobby are like the same, like drive the RV. They have their garages with all their toys that they tinker with and their projects around the house. And well, I'm going to bring James and he might be requesting an upgrade workshop after (laughs) seeing what Bobby has. (laughs) Bobby's got a good workshop here. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't keep it organized at all, but his dad is here all the time. So his dad comes in and like organizes all the tools. Perfect. And then Bobby just messes it up. That's funny. <laughs> that might be their difference. I feel like James really likes things in order. Not that he's always putting it in order, but also a workshop is about works in progress. So yeah. outside the shed has been a disaster for a while. So, you know. Yeah. I think I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So you all best friends for 13 years? 13. We've known each other 14 years. I okay. started off as a client. Yeah. This friendship yeah. built slow and strong. Like, yeah. I really love Peggy. We've. I feel like we've been friends since we met. And also, like, I would say, hey, can you come here and actually have a real session with me? Yeah. yeah. And we built a, a very strong bond over time. We spent Shabbat together. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, I would say the last, since I think we moved to Roxbury down the street from you, is that's really when it really, when we really got connected. We lived a block away from each other. Yeah, that's Yeah, and that was probably, I don't know, 2015. So, yeah, because she lived in Florida before that. Yeah. Yeah. And you still have your place in Florida. No. Oh, no, you don't. Okay. Yeah. No, we we divested ourselves of kind of everything. And then we ended up in the cabins at Kim's Ranch. It's, yeah. thank, thank God. Yeah, so it was great. So we were there temporarily. Yeah, so that bathroom really has a lot of mystery and history for me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So what would your tips be for a friendship lasting that long? Because obviously with Tone It Up, I, you know, my former business partner and I were best friends for 14 years. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, she has moved on to do her own other passion projects. But um, what would your advice be to friendships? Because now you are working together yeah. with your podcast. I, for me, this is an easy answer. We're always honest with each other. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, we've had so many conversations, like there's nothing more important than the friendship, period. Like that is first. Second is everything else. And that would never happen. Yeah. We made a commitment when we started the podcast that the friendship came first. Yeah. And that if there was a problem that we would always share with the other and never like let it go on, you know, unspoken. Because I think that's the biggest thing is where resentments and hurts and all this, and then your mind can go into story. So I think we just had a commitment with honesty and then, um, and then just kind of being there for each other to work through whatever is needed. But, you know, we have that kind of friendship where we can go off in different directions and not talk to each other. But when we come back together, we're like, you know, this glue that just like, yeah, our drive here was like, yeah. Going into the depths of childhood. You know, we talk about everything yeah. and we're just open. And so I think it's normal in, in life or in business or something for something to build up. And then if there's a little buildup and you're like, oh, there's a little buildup here, just talk. Yeah. And uh, we're either really frivolous or really deep. There's like no middle ground with us. I know. There I know. Been, yeah. Like, yeah. Well, I think that's really beautiful. And I think it's important to point out that in friendship, as we move through and we go through our lives and ebbs and flows. And Peggy, do you have children? I do, but yeah. they're all adult children now. They're 25, 29, and 32. Wow. I know. You. So my they're my friends too. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what's, what's so amazing. Yeah. My kids all have friendships with Kim. Oh, I and love that. Yeah. So it's really awesome. I think it is beautiful to have a friendship like that, that you are with each other through the ebbs and flows of life and whatever it may bring you and just... You know, I, I've learned in getting older, you don't have to call your best friend every day. But then when you get in that car ride and you're driving up these little windy roads, you go to the depths of everything. Yeah. 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 So true. And I like to consider myself the fairy godmother to all the kids. <laughs> I'm so, sure you are. I'm sure you so, are. She is the fairy godmother to all my kids, actually. <laughs> I walked into the house yesterday. It was so great to see Annabelle and Amelia come running up to me and give me such a big squeeze because I hadn't seen them all summer. And yep. yeah, I just love them. So why your move to Austin, Texas? Well, so... That's on you. I had, Yeah, I had... <laughs> been wanting to leave and have a change from California. I had just been there since right after college. And, you know, I was tired of traffic. California is like such a beautiful... It's so beautiful though. But the traffic drives me bananas. It's not... Some people can go into it, listen to podcasts, whatever. I'm like, no, this is too stimulating for me. So I had been wanting to get out to nature for a really long time. I had thought about Texas. I always pushed the idea away. And then, you know, all these funny signs and symbols happened. Like we were driving to a friend's house. We were in our van and I said, hey, James, let's be on the same page. We're going to ask for a sign where we should move. And our friend answered the door and he was wearing a hat with an outline of the state of Texas. And it said Austin city limits. But this was the friend that wanted us to move to Atlanta with him. And we were really thinking what we would do that. And we go to Nashville for our anniversary and we're like, should we move here? 
And then we saw a billboard that said Texas BBQ. And James is like, well, maybe this has everything that Texas, we think Texas is going to offer is in Nashville. Like we really pushed it away, actually. And then I had three dreams that I was moving to Texas. And also Peggy had a moment where she also got clarity, not just she was moving, but also we were moving. Yeah, that was, I was in a deep, deep meditation and it was so jarring that they're like, call Kim right now and tell her what we just told you because tomorrow you're going to want to forget about this. And so I called Kim and I'm like, oh my God. So I'm being asked to move. I lived in this um, penthouse apartment. It was 3,000 square feet over Roxbury Park. It was just this beautiful, spacious place. And they cut down the tree that it was like I lived in a glass tree house and they cut the tree down. I went, Mm -mm. I know I'm moving, right? So I went into meditation and they're like, call Kim and tell her that um, you're moving and that you need to go stay with your mom for a couple of months because my dad had just passed and that we're going to tell you where you're going to go next from there. Right now, you seem to pack up and leave. And so I'm telling all this and Kim's like listening to my words. She's like, yep, that's true. Yep, that's true. Yep, that's true. And then they say, and Kim, you're leaving too because you can't grow anything here. And I, I had just had my second, well, my fifth, miscarriage in life, but my second late-term miscarriage. And now she's got a little Texan baby. <laughs> yeah. And well, Texas, so after that, so, you know, it yeah, was so like, we the signs like, were oh clear. Yeah. I had three dreams in a row to move to Texas. And then, so we decided to take our next anniversary trip here and we fell in love. And then we fell in love with the property that we're on and we just Love it. James is a full-fledged Texan. And now, mm-hmm. yeah, we got full-fledged. And then now, Jeremiah, we have like a proper Texan baby born on the ranch. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Did you do a, boy. a gorgeous home birth? Home birth? Yeah. Water, water birth? Well, he was in the water. I stood up for him to actually be born. Guess who was there at Jeremiah's birth? Who? Peggy. And his due date was my birthday. Oh, I- you know what? But it so, came the day before. Smart child. <laughs> <laughs> That's so. We're Bobby and I don't have children. We have five Pomeranians and a cat, which you just met. Um, but we are godparents to Bowie. Shout out to Dave and Vic. And Dave married us, and then uh, Bowie was born on our wedding anniversary following year. And she was um, what's it? Um, impregnated. What is it? Conceived. Conceived. Conceived, thank you. Um, At our house in Palm Springs. Oh, my goodness. So the parallels are there. Yeah. Yeah. You're like a, you're a blended family. Connected. Of sorts. Yeah. Connected. Yeah. I have, I've actually had, I think, two friends conceive on our land. I call it the conception cabin. They all were in the same room. You should charge extra for that one. I know. Just come here. (laughs) So... Can we talk about miscarriage and your mental health around that? Were you and James trying to get pregnant and it just wasn't working and how you moved through that spiritually and physically, you know, physically, mentally? So I had Olivia, then I had a miscarriage. Wait, no, I had Olivia, then I had Joshua, then I had a miscarriage, then I had Annabelle, miscarriage, Amelia, miscarriage, Gwendolyn, and then late-term near-death experience miscarriage, which she was also there for that. Then another one of those, less severe, but 
losing consciousness, blood rushing to the hospital, blood transfusions, the whole thing. So after the first one, the first big, like the first late term miscarriage, which was my fourth, I was completely depleted emotionally, energetically, just I was done. It was part of the reason that where I was like, I really do need to move. I need to to reset my nervous system. And um, it was tough. I, I Then after that, I got some sort of infection in my body that I literally felt like I was dying and thought I might die. Like it was just really bad for a very long time. So I struggled to uh, that infection, which happened within two weeks of the miscarriage. Plus, my husband had a very emotional exit from Dancing with the Stars. So he, in addition to like me going through this, also losing a baby that we had all these hopes and dreams for. And then the show, and it was just... And it was public on the show too. It was public. An audience of six million or something people watched me from my first ultrasound, watching my stomach grow, and then going... So many people went through this journey with us, which is almost why I feel like we did it. Because if you're going to do it, like, I don't know, we keep these things so quiet. And... And if you want to and you need to, that's what you do. But I was actually happy to be really out there with it because if anything, at least I could say this served a bigger purpose. Mm-hmm. A lot of people know that they're not alone in having a miscarriage. And I believe that was the gift of that soul to the world. Um, but it did not come easily for me. It was really tough. It was just an emotional roller coaster. And, um, you know, I, I wasn't the big, biggest fan of getting flowers. I didn't need flowers, but my house turned into a flower shop. And I have to tell you, it worked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like every time I saw flowers from somebody, every time that doorbell rang, anytime somebody sent me food, anytime somebody came, it meant so much to me. And I just felt like, I was at the bottom of my capacity, but I felt all this love surrounding me. And I think friendship and sisterhood is really what pulled me through. But then I got pregnant again when I was trying not to right away. And I went through the you same thing. You just didn't want to like get pregnant again because you were just too traumatized? Or oh, you yeah. Just, no way. Yeah. It's not worth it. I almost yeah. died. It was, yeah. There's the no. It was no. That happened on November 17th. Okay. That's when we were in the hospital together. Then I got pregnant and that baby, the next baby was due November 17th. Both boys, both at 17 and a half weeks, I lost them. Both getting information, intuitive information that things would happen like three minutes before they would happen. And then I was being given information like this is going to happen. This is going to happen. So it's like almost like this conversation with God. You know, it opened up my ability to have that conversation with the deeper part of myself that I would say, you know, is the God in us. And um, which, by the way, is a thing for women if they don't know, because little babies are antennas. And so you actually can become more intuitive. Well, you do. Yeah. Become more intuitive. And then you stay that way. (laughs) I feel like all my kids help my intuition blossom in different ways. But that, that was followed by the next month. James' mom passed. So it was like punch, 
punch. Now you're on the ground. Now we're going to kick you. And it was tough. It was definitely friendships that got me through and my husband and my children. Like when you have kids, you don't have a choice. It's like you have to pull through. That's your choice, at least for me. And and then moving to Texas, Texas felt like... And, and California, I had this beautiful cry session with LA. It was just like, I love you. I appreciate you. Thank you for everything. You know, I need this next chapter for myself now. And it reset my nervous system differently. Same. I was in LA for 20 years. And then people still um, within, you know, my community are like, why did you move to Texas? I'm like, I needed, I needed it 20 years there. And I was there last week filming workout videos and doing this. And I had to go to the bathroom and start crying. I'm like, I just like some kind of feeling and the hustle and the bustle and everything. And I was like, I I can't finish this workout. I'm wow. Wow. You couldn't finish the workout. No, I was, I, it was, I mean, it was 6 p.m. at night. I had been up since 4 a.m. There was no AC. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I'm just tired. You know, it's 8 p.m. here. Like, this is, I was like, I don't, you know, and my team was great. And, you know, I had, uh, Des, who does my social media, and then Dunya, who runs our Tone Up app, and came in the bathroom, and they're like, you know what? Everyone's tired. You're tired. You've worked so hard. You're in it. Like, we're done. I was like, good. That's a good team. That's a yeah, good they team. Can see yeah. when you're spent. Yeah. yeah. That's a good team. Yeah. No, LA is a grind. And there's another part of LA where I feel like I could go back differently or spend more time there now. Like I miss so many people and so much about life there that I miss, but I also, Texas has been good to us. Yeah. And maybe Peggy, you know this, do you know, I I was told that it was good that I was moving to Texas because I have a very masculine energy and California is masculine where Texas is feminine. Do you know anything about that or no? No? Huh. I've never heard. Uh, th- that's funny. I would have never thought of Texas as feminine. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, right. I, well, especially I, with I, some political things going yeah, on. But the but, energy of the earth versus politics. Um, you know, that's interesting. I, that's, I think it's probably depending on where you're at within those places. Because I've experienced, um, you know, I've experienced very feminine energy in California, like just flowy and opening. And, you know, I lived in Southern California for a while, not LA. I lived in um, Cardiff by the sea and it was very, that's how I felt held. I felt very watery. I lived near the ocean, right? And I can see where LA can feel masculine. Get it done, get it done, get it done. And, but I I kind of have that experience with, with Texas. I'm more rooted here and I am more, so for me, the understanding is that masculine is very doing, going, pushing, and feminine is more being carried and fluid and creative. And um, which is why for me, I, I feel Texas is more masculine because I'm doing more, like I'm, I'm more busy, I'm more rooted and um, more focused. But, you know, I, I have to say that there, within the land, when you connect with the land, it is like your land is, is such, there's a sweetness, there's a tenderness. So there is absolutely that feminine energy in Kim's property, right? It, it definitely holds that space. And, and I would say the other property that I have and 
about an hour from here, hour and a half is the same. It's that very kind of feminine energy. Um, so I guess in that way, it's the same. I think it's just depending on how, where, where you're at on the land to connect with it and feel how, and so how do you do that, right? So you just stop, you give, you let your senses tune in and you feel, you know, the ground beneath you and let that kind of ripple up and allow yourself to be drawn to whatever it is, whether it's a tree or water or sky or whatever, and then just connect with that essence of that and just have a a communion, so to speak. And that gives you a feeling of like either, oh, let's get going, that masculine or, or, or power or the feminine creative. So that's interesting. So I, I can't say that I would see either one as absolute. What do you think? Or what do you feel, Kim? It's interesting. I've never heard that before. I've never heard it before either. It was my, my girl, Anne in Sedona. She's, Hi, Anne in Sedona. Hi, Anne. She's amazing. <laughs> I hey. love Sedona. Well, you know, listen, it, she, if she's reading specifically to you, mm-hmm. I get it. Mm-hmm. I get it. Because if she's reading specific to you, specific to you, you in LA awakens your masculine. Go, do, be, perform, da, 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 right? Like that. And so you experience it like, oh, this is too much. And when you came here, there's like a, ah, you can breathe. I breathe here. The feminine can, can experience creation and expansion and flow. So she's speaking directly to you, not an overall statement. So for you, yes, I get that. California is much more um, masculine for you and Texas is much more feminine. But, yeah, and but that's I'm, a personal. I would yeah. say just LA. I mean, I love Palm Springs. We have a place there and it's we, amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. so amazing. The mountains, yeah. but that's the thing, and, like the mountains and the nature there and the sun like it, it's just mine and Bobby's. Yes, okay, oh, I'll it? come over. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Like, I got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. James can drive his bus up there and park right lots of space. Yeah. Yeah. We can drive our space to your space. Yeah. Yeah. The blue skies and the winter. It's just, it's really gorgeous. It is. So, Peggy, what's, um, I think we were talking about this before we started. What's in retrograde right now? Oh, right now? Yeah. Well, Mm -hmm. there's Venus. I'm feeling feeling Mercury's about to be retrograde, I think, tomorrow. So basically what that means is you don't get the support of that planet. It's become stationary or kind of void. And so Venus (laughs) being retrograde means all your relationships kind of come up for exploration. Old patterns come back. Um, We can become, you know, (laughs) looking at all of a sudden oh, this person's not good for you anymore and they can be moved out or, you know, in your own. And usually, especially if it's a new, somebody new that you're dating or you've just met, you really wouldn't want to have your first date be during Venus retrograde. Push it till after September 3rd. I'm a rule breaker. Oh. Well, <laughs> there, <laughs> that, well there is that. <laughs> and if you're not really, really in tune with yourself, these things push you around. They push you around. I would never let astrology rule my world, but I definitely like, it's like, okay, don't go out in the wintertime and without, you know, without, you know, covering on your feet for an hour, right? Yeah. You walk out for 15 minutes, but you know, you, so it's, it's an Unless awareness. you're a Vanderbeek child. For an hour though? <laughs> for an hour? They went, walked out in the snow at my aunt Kathy and uncle Dave's house for probably a good hour came in and their feet were red. Sorry, still a rule breaker. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. That is red. 
But I'm but for those of you that don't have the vanity power <laughs> yes. to bend time and universe. And it's really, it's just, it's all it does is like, oh shit, that's what's going on. Okay. Yeah. So it adds some understanding as to why we need to work a little harder during this time in our relationships, why we need to have more patience, why we need to dig a little deeper. That's all. It's just a, a signpost or a guiding post. And to Kim's point, don't give it a lot of energy, but it does help fill in the blanks sometimes. It like, really does. Why the hell is my TV broken? Why am I, you know, all the things that are, you know, that come up with the Mercury retrogrades. Is Mercury Every, all technology? No, it's, it's also, it's, it's anything that it, besides technology, that's the most, right? Yeah. And, but in addition, it can be any contractual <laughs> thing that you're signing. Mm. So if you go sign an apartment or a house during Mercury retrograding, you've just walked in and saw it and signed it, or you buy a car or you buy, change your iPhone or whatever. A lot of times what happens is with, you don't see the full picture. And then when, when Mercury goes direct a couple of days after, a couple of weeks after, all of a sudden the other information shows up. It's like there's a piece of information that's hidden from you. And then the next kind of shoe drops and you go, oh shit, I really don't like that car. I really didn't like. So what happens is, is there's a false, you're seeing a false uh, thing that's being presented. You don't have all the information with Mercury because it's, it's communication. That's why it affects technology. And that's why it can affect relationships. And that's why if you meet somebody during a Mercury retrograde, you cannot really know their true nature until a week or two later. Then it's like, what the heck is this? Right. And if you can get through that, then you're like, okay. But it's just, it's, there's a concealment that happens. And when it's, um, when it's direct, then you, you have more information. When does Mercury get out of retrograde and when does Venus get out of retrograde? Venus gets out of retrograde, I think it's September 3rd. So that's coming up. And it started July 22nd, I believe. Um, we might have to Google sir. this. And yeah. then Mercury retrograde starts, I think, on the 20... Wait, I think it's like tomorrow or something. 23rd? Like 23rd. I think it's August 23rd to... Do you have it there? October? Just pull up Mercury retrograde... 2023 and it will give you the dates but i think it's on august 23rd as the same day that virgo start season starts until september 15th okay nice it is memory wow wow. Okay. wow yeah so i used to do a, an intuitive astrology column that i stopped doing and i got a lot of hate mail because i stopped it <laughs> but it just took so much is energy. it the same dates every year no no oh, okay. okay no they they move with the moons okay. yeah yeah but it, I mean, I love it. I love that. It's just information. That's all it is. And you, yeah. you know, in Kabbalah, obviously, what they would teach is you're to rise above the zodiac. They're just yeah. like signposts. And our job is to like overcome all those natures, even the, the positive ones. Yeah. Not to be that. ruled by it. I don't follow all of that. But my sister, Rachel, who's also our executive director at Big Silence, I'm like, Rachel, what retrograde are we in? She'll like tell me all this stuff. I'm like, okay. Now let me figure out. Now I know why. So now I'm going to figure out how to yeah. come above. And well, this one, I think there's like several planets that are yeah. going to be retrograde, like five or six oh. happening in these next couple of weeks. So you know what there is to do? <gasps> nothing. nothing. Do nothing. Okay. <laughs> enjoy yourself. Your tip let for Let it fall apart. Do nothing. <laughs> Have fun. Enjoy. Okay. Well, I'm about to start assigning kids up for school contractually. <laughs> <laughs> well, but you already made that decision. True. That's right. You already made that decision. <laughs> and besides, you're a rule breaker. Should so I sign? Yeah, That's right. Like, Should I back sign the date on the contract? To like a non Are you signing today? Date? No. When are you signing? Over the next couple of weeks. 
Okay, well, if you can push it out, then push it out. Yeah, no, I can't. Then don't. You are a ruler. Yeah, you I already know. established that. See, I have. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. You already established that. <laughs> yeah. Do all of your kids go to school now? So my most of my children have been homeschooled. By you or do you have... By, sometimes some, by me, yeah. by a teacher. Yeah. Um, particularly during COVID, um, that was a real struggle. Some went to school, then we brought them back home and figuring that out has been... It's been a struggle the last three years, the school. Yeah. But um, most of my children will be going to school and... I love homeschool, but I'm very excited about this. And I think they are too. They're ready for a change. They've been asking for it. So ask and you shall receive. There you go. You are, they, are they going to like the same school? Most of them? Uh, most of them, yes. Yeah. So. Are, do you guys have to drive them or is there a bus situation? There's no, no bus. There's, I was like, I've been here. There's, there's no, no bus. bus. There's no bus. no bus. Actually, I do see a bus that comes uh, on like the street. Off our driveway yeah, that's feels why, like it's Because I've seen a bus. That's why I was asking. Yeah, but it's it, that. Yeah. It's Even here, public... I've seen a bus. And I'm like, there's yeah. buses here? It's yeah. not the public school system, which I've actually, I have some friends that actually really love that. Um, but yeah, no, it's not that. So I, we're driving. Yeah. All right. So kids are off to school and mm-hmm. you have a new venture. Yes. Clean Beauty. Yes. I want to hear more about well, this. Clean Beauty has been a passion of mine for a really long time. Around the time I met James, I went to Israel. I came back. I started eating all this bread and these things that were just not great for me. And I had this woman uh, facialist, uh, holistic facialist tell me, you know, I think you're allergic to gluten. And so I played around with that. My face started to get better. I went and visited Stacy at Greenline Beauty. And Greenline Beauty is in LA. It's one of the reasons I love LA. There are so many gems there. And she was the first one to really teach me about clean beauty. And she changed up some of my projects or my products. So that and changing my food helped me so much. Um, so I have been passionately down the clean beauty rabbit hole for a very long time. Uh, now my kids are getting older and I'm recognizing that they are ready for products. And they go to the store and they want what looks appealing to them. And unfortunately, most of those products aren't clean. So if you go to Europe, for example, you'll see a huge no list that they ban for the beauty industry. But in the States, it's actually quite a tiny number. number. Um, I think it was like almost a few thousand in Europe at one point. Here was 11. I mean, it's just, I don't know where it's at right now, but it's a very unregulated industry. And uh, not only do I want to create makeup that is multi-generational and brings back, you know, ritual and fun and togetherness between the generations. So, you know, you have your girlfriends and your sisterhood, but also the grandmothers and the granddaughters and even the grandsons. So another passion of mine is when I was in junior high, I remember covering up my zits. I had the worst cystic acne because I really didn't know how to take care of my skin. And I tried Accutane twice and it didn't get rid of it. Just really, really bad, really painful really did a lot to my self-confidence. And so what did I do? I got the cover girl stick and I covered it and it looked orange because I'm so, so white. And I also just feel for like the guys, you know, because it's not, 
it's it's not perceived as okay right now for them to like go cover it up. And we're in 2023, so they get a lot more leeway than they used to. But just helping the guys too, yeah, like make it, it okay, like make put it okay. self-express. You know, yeah. Joshua really wants to like do rock star makeup. <laughs> you know, I can so see that just for him. like let the exploration happen for all the generations, yeah. for all the kids. Make it all okay, and really change the messaging a little bit of the clean beauty industry because right now. The first thing that needs to happen when you sit in front of the mirror is to look at exactly how you are without a filter over your mirror or anything else and just say, I love you. You're beautiful just like that right there. You actually don't need to do a dang thing. When we open up our box of makeup, this is about creative expression, right? Who doesn't like to draw and paint and and do it on yourself and create new looks? It's like going into a closet and like, what what look do you want to create today? So just having that little tweak on the beauty industry during Instagram era, I think is so important and vital. And I'm just just wanting to create something that I don't see messaging. I'm not seeing. for my kids. And not to say that it's not out there, but I haven't had access to it. I haven't seen it yet. And I don't think they have. Well, I'm excited. I mean, I, I love makeup. I mean, sometimes I'm just like, don't care and I don't yeah. do anything. But then, do I have a cat eye right now, kind of? It's gorgeous. Okay, thank you. I'm, I'm pretty sure girl. I did that. Okay. Yes. yes. <laughs> okay. I'm pretty sure that's just like natural. I'm like, <laughs> and Bobby's like, why do you wear makeup? Why? I'm like, because I want to. Yeah. I don't have to, yeah. yeah. but it is. And as you have gotten to know me and seen our house and art is all around, and I think it's it's fun. It can be fun. It doesn't mean like, and, and I, it was your, your son who likes to experiment with makeup? Or, well, no, yeah, he, but yeah. I mean, he has all these sisters. He doesn't yeah. look at it as like a sex thing. Yeah. It's like everybody should be able to paint their face and have fun. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I mean, it can be fun. I mean, why not? Why not? The other thing, though, is I've been learning so much about the beauty industry and having some wake up calls. Like, the this is an industry that requires a product's effectiveness to sell and it has to stay on the shelf for two years. So, there are some also realities that I'm dealing with. If you're going to have a product that stays on a shelf for two years to be viable in a retail market, there are some things that need to be in it to preserve it. So, it's like going deep into the research of, okay, what can we use to preserve something for it to work properly and effectively and be as clean as possible. And it's it's just a huge learning curve. Yeah. Do you know when you're launching? No. That's okay. <laughs> you you got this conversation phase. right at conception. I haven't really talked much about it at all. Can't even believe I just talked about it. Well, it's yeah. so common. You can't be posted. I wanna, I so wanna... much for the big silence. I know. Apparently, yeah. there's no silence needed here. to be a little maybe birthed so you would start to give it some well, light. Maybe so. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. I'm excited for it to come. Thank you. All right. So I'm going to put where everyone can find you both in the show notes, but also um, anything last words you want to share? Bathroom chronicles, best friends, tips, life, mental health, things that help you. Uh, mm, well, we have a blast on bathroom chronicles and I think my favorite thing so far about doing podcasts is that it's just a place where you realize everybody's a person 
And we all have our own feelings and our own emotions and our own story. And the beauty of this time of podcast is that we can get in touch with different perspectives and where those perspectives were birthed from. And I feel in that world peace is possible, guys. Hell yeah. <laughs> Damn. Oh, away from the bathroom. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You're right. Yeah. No. Yeah. We try not to be too serious. Although, dang, we had a really serious conversation the other day. We won't go we there. We won't go there. But it was... What um, pod? What guest? Because we'll have people go listen to it. Lisa Beth Thomas. Okay. Yeah. It's a big one. It's a big okay. one. Mm-hmm. It's an important. It's a really yeah. important one, but it's a really heavy one. So we have to yeah. like, I was actually, up, I was up for a couple nights in a row after that, Ooh, honestly. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna listen so to it's kind of like we have to put a little sensor on it that says, you know, but, you know, be in an up mood <laughs> when, when you take this one on, when you hear it. Or a grounded mood. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, but, even with big silence being mental health and the conversations I have with guests or doctors, psychologists, it can be really heavy. But at the same time, it's nice to sit here with you and like laugh a little and be playful and then talk about serious things. And tis life. Yeah. Tis life. Yeah, it is life. And we do, and we can't like put our head in the sand about it. Yeah. We do need to have these conversations. It was funny. We were talking about these conversations and Kim's like, well, what do you do when there's a big situation like that? Right. Like when there's something worldly that's happening that doesn't feel good, that feels, you know, evil like or whatever. And, and it was very clear that what there is to do is, is to have the awareness, but then you don't give it energy and you put your energy where you want it to go, right? So you want to go to having positive mental health. So then you start to get the things needed that give you that positive flow, right? It's the same thing with anything. You have an awareness around it. Like when I, as a psychic, as a medium, when I first started my work, it was met first with all the fear. And all the negativity and the constant bombardment of that, you know, my bed shaking up and down and lights going on and off, like physical, really scary things. So it was like, okay, the more I focused on that, the stronger that became. So I learned that, okay, so what am I seeking? I'm seeking peace. I'm seeking a a, a different kind of reality, a different kind of connection. And so I put my focus more then on God and harmony and peace. And all of that died down. I actually used prayer and to stop it. And so, um, because my prayer focused on God instead of focused on the negative. And I think nothing is different here in the world. We have these things that are occurring around us that are, you know, definitely not positive, but you have the awareness, but you put your energy towards the positive things. And because the more that you give it energy or rage or anger, it feeds off of it and makes it stronger. So by, by having awareness, but directing or channeling your energy into the positive, it can't, it can't use you. Yeah. yeah. I love that. That's a great tip. Great advice. Thank you. Thank thanks you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for this having us. Always good to see you. I know. And next yeah. time we're having a tea party. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we are. And Kim will be pouring. Yes. You can. Yes. Yeah. I'd love to. That'd be amazing. Thank you for joining us today and every Wednesday. If you or anyone you know needs help now, text HERO to 741-741 to connect with a crisis counselor. Our crisis text line is private and confidential. If you loved this episode or think a loved one could benefit from listening, please share. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the.big.silence. 
Head over to thebigsilence.com to sign up for our newsletter to stay in the loop for live events coming up and details on the release of my memoir, The Big Silence. And as always, we'd love a like, subscribe, and leave a review on anywhere the podcast can be found. I love you, and I will see you next Wednesday. One, two, three, sing it. Here's to radical self-love, the type of love that will defeat anxiety, the type of love that defeats depression. This is the one life. This is the moment. This is the time to dig in, to be who you already are. The big silence. Breathe in, breathe out.